0: Good morning. Hope that you are doing well. Um, At least we got a couple days of sunshine this past week, correct? I know it's like this schizophrenic weather um, of up and downs and colds and whatever, Um, but it has been nice. It's great to see you. I hope that you've had a great weekend. And um, full disclosure, I told the first service, I'm dragging a little bit. I'm just tired this morning. Um, we, uh, Our youngest son last night, uh, hopefully this doesn't gross you out uh, right before lunch, but um, our youngest son woke up at about 12.30 just talking about his stomach hurting and was crying out. And then we gave him some um, Pepto-Bismol. You know, that stuff tastes awesome. And uh, so we gave him some of that and some Tylenol. Went back to sleep at 3:30 this morning. Uh, he threw up all in his bed. So don't you love that, parents? If you 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 know those days that you have to clean up your kids' puke, all right? Um, so that was disgusting. Um, but um, so anyway, at like 10:15, my wife she stayed home with the kids because we didn't know if it's stomach bug or whatever. Um, but she texted me at 10:15 and said he was still asleep. So that's good. Um, we're kind of like. See, so he have a stomach bug, is appendicitis, whatever, um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm drained. I'm just like, I don't know about you, I love my sleep, and, and so waking up at 12.30 and 3.30 and then 5.30 to get ready for this morning, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired, but we're in this together, and we are continuing this series. If you haven't been here, we're, we are in week three of the sermon series, the best sermon ever, and that has nothing to do with me or our church, but the words of Jesus, that in Matthew 5, Six and seven, we see um, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is teaching um, on the hillside at the very beginning of his ministry. He gathers these people um, that are willing to listen. He says, "Hey, come up here. Let's let's talk about some things." And begins to talk about what does it mean to truly follow God and be a citizen of this kingdom that he talks about all so often. Now, in preparation for this, one of the things that I was thinking of, and I, I you know, if you know me you know, I'm pretty extroverted. I will talk to anybody. I'll introduce myself to a tree if I had to, all right? Um, Some of you know, I like to hang out at Starbucks. And even so before COVID, I would just like meet random strangers and just say, hey, how's it going? You know, I even, you might have remembered this story. I was sending a picture from my computer and I was supposed to send it through air whatever you call it, okay, um, to airdrop to my phone, and I sent it to a phone of a lady at the end of the, the table. That was awkward, okay? Um, she was like, she looked at it, it was a picture of me, and she looked at it, and she was like, <laughs> and I was like, so sorry. Haven't told you that? It was awkward, okay? <clears throat> but I love meeting people, and one of the things that I hear all the time, whether it's here at church or just out in the community, you, you meet people, and a lot of the times, they're new to the Greenville area. And you hear common things like this of, hey, you know, like I'm new to the area, just moved here, uh, moved from wherever. I've heard a lot of people are moving from Ohio to here and different things up north. <clears throat> they're moving here. and They're like, hey, we just moved here. Maybe it's our job or whatever the case may be. And um, so you hear that. You hear some people say, I'm actually from Greenville, uh, moved away from my job for a little bit. and Now we're back in Greenville, so we're doing that. Or even, I love this one. You, you probably have heard this. Like, hey, why'd you move to Greenville? We just saw it in a magazine, and it looked good, so we moved. Right? <clears throat> have you heard that? And I love our city. Uh, growing up in Atlanta, um, I, I, I love. I never thought I would be able or I would move from Atlanta. Um, I loved Atlanta, loved, okay? I loved Atlanta, and we moved to Nashville for a a period of time, and then we moved here. My wife is from the Greenville area, and when we moved here, you know, after the adjustment period, man, I I love our city. There's just something about Greenville where, like, you walk downtown. I love our downtown. It's like small town feel, but still big, and what I love about it compared to Atlanta is you don't feel like you're going to get shot in downtown, right? And and so uh, I I love that. I just love hearing people move here. But when people tell me they have moved here or recently moved here, I cringe a little bit. Not because I'm like, I like it how it is and just stay away. Not that, okay? Uh, I don't think this is going to turn into the next Atlanta or anything like that. But when I say that, I cringe because one of the things that I hate is moving. Like, I just hate moving. Now, there's different aspects of moving that I hate. Like, okay, when you move to a new city, you got to learn your way around town and street names and stuff like that. And people like, hey, you know where that is? You're like, no, I have no idea. All right. Um, And they're like, oh, the CVS or the Spinks in the corner. I'm like, okay, whatever. When we first moved to Greenville, being an Atlanta guy, I'm a huge fan of QT. When I first moved to Greenville, we didn't have QTs. We just had Spinks, which is like, To me, not a QT, all right? I love QTs. Like, who doesn't want to go in there? And you can, like, seriously, do do all of your grocery shopping at a QT, you know? Um, Whatever. I mean, it is what it is. But other than, like, having to learn that kind of stuff, when you move somewhere, you got to figure out, like, who are your neighbors. you got to reestablish friends because you left your good friends, um, close friends there. Um, In church, trying to find a church, you have to establish all that. Those are all um, hard things, but the reason I cringe at moving is the fact that I feel bad for people that move because of the process of packing, all right? I hate packing. There's just something about it. I've told my wife, if we ever move again, and I don't plan on moving anytime soon. That's how much I hate it. If I ever move, I will pay someone a lot of money. To pack up my my house, you know, or I'm gonna find a job and they'll pay for my packing. All right, like seriously, oh, you're you're gonna make ten thousand dollars a year. I don't care. Just pay for my packing. All right, <clears throat> no, just kidding. I just hate it. And like my wife, okay, I'm throwing her under the bus a little bit. Um, I'm getting gonna get in trouble when she watches this online uh, later, but. Um, is that she's OCD about packing, which she, most women are. You have to pack it a certain way. Us guys are so unorganized. We're like, oh, the dishes, yeah, throw it in a box, right? It's like, oh, kids' toys, you just kind of like dump it. Like, I, like I'll take stuff and it's like, oh, in a box, okay, tape it up. You know, nothing's going to get hurt when that, uh, whatever. To, you know, just pack it up, throw it in there. But the thing that I hate about packing is the reality of when you pack a house, you realize how much stuff you have, right? You realize, and like the only good thing that comes out of moving is you throw away a bunch of stuff or take it to Goodwill or whatever, and you kind of get reorganized. Or and then once you move, you like have boxes that you haven't opened in a year, and you're like, I guess it's not really that important. Just throw it out, type thing. But you realize how much stuff you have, and in that process. The longer you've been married or um, the more kids you have, the more stuff you accumulate. That's why for many of us, we go to our parents' house, and the first reaction is like, oh, Lord, when they die, this is going to be a nightmare, right? It's like, we might as well just burn the house. It's going to take us years to unpack this. Every time I go to my wife's grandmother's house, she's 100 I go and I'm like, why does she have clothes in the closet from the 70s? You know, like let's get rid of that. It's just a lot, a lot of stuff. We have so much stuff, especially in America, we have so much stuff that we put we store stuff in our attic. We store stuff in these things called garages, you know, where cars are supposed to park. Who parks their car in those things, right? We don't do that. And I I can't tell you how many people after the first service, yeah, we have a two-car garage. Well, we park one car in there, okay? Like, um, you know, it's just one of those things. We do that. We have so much stuff that we fill up our house, our attic, our garage, and then we have to get storage units. I mean, how how about like in Greenville, every time they're like building something, I'm like, that'd be a really good spot for a Chick-fil-A. And then it's like, oh no, a CubeSmart. Why do we need another storage plate? You with me? It's like, can we have any more car washes and storage spaces in here? It's like, I just, I just don't get it. We love our cars and we love our junk. But if you think about that, and I, I say all this because as it, hard as this is to admit, there is a connection between our heart and our stuff, right? There is a connection between the things that we have, the things that we own, the things that are in our house, the things that we purchase. There is a connection between our heart and our stuff, now, some of us more than others, I, I tend to be a little bit more sentimental on things. Sloan's like, hey, if you haven't worn that shirt in a year, take it to Goodwill. Hey, you haven't, you haven't opened that box in six years, throw it away. Where I'm like, no, no, no. You know, that's like, that's like a shirt from my senior year of high school. You know, like, that's sentimental. Those are my friends. Those, that was my, my crew. You know, don't throw that. Or, okay, what about this? Like I remember when I graduated So I graduated, this is going to date me or whatever. Some of you are like, you're just a baby. But I graduated in the year 2000, you know, when we were all going to die because the computers didn't move, you know, or whatever. And I remember they gave me like a high school graduation, some kind of like commemorative Coca-Cola bottle. And it was like the year 2000. I I still have that, you know. And Son's like, why? Like you're never going to drink that. Like, just throw it away. But we keep stuff. It has, like, this emotional attachment to things in our lives, whether we want to admit it or not. And that can go any way. That can be sentimental. It can also be like, hey, I've worked really hard, so I'm going to, I'm going to treat myself to a nicer car. So I'm going to buy a nice car. Or I'm going to buy a nicer house. Or whatever the case may be, and we start to do those things. And not that it's wrong to have those things. There's just this connection. Like, if we were to go out to your car, and we were to destroy your windshield right now, you would cry, right? You'd be like, okay, that's my car. Like what? There's just a connection there, right? That's just natural for us. But what ends up happening and what Jesus is going to talk about in the passage that we're looking at is there is a potential for that connection uh, to be dangerous. It, It has this potential to overtake our lives and to be more concerned about the stuff that we have that's temporary than the significance of things that are really, really important in our lives. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19. Now, <clears throat> if you're OCD and you, we've been walking through this really verse by verse, we're skipping a section which some of y'all are going to be like, don't do that, okay? We're going to come back to it um, in, in another series We actually preached on part of it a couple uh, weeks, maybe a couple months ago now. And we're going to come back to another part in a couple weeks from now. So we're just kind of skipping it, okay, Um, with giving to the needy, the Lord's Prayer, fasting, all that kind of stuff. We're getting to chapter 19. Now, remember, we've been on this journey, and when Jesus starts teaching to the people... He's talking about external things at first, the B attitudes. He's saying, hey, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who mourn, you know, all these different things. It's, it's more external actions. And he points to himself and says, hey, I'm the true righteousness. All those things need to be rooted in me. They can't be rooted in you. You can't be self-righteous. That's not going to do you any good. You're not going to live for the kingdom of God because this entire teaching time is all about how to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. So Jesus focuses on the first part of all these external behaviors. And then as we saw last week, he really flips this idea on its head, this upside-down living, this new kingdom ethic where Jesus then comes and says, hey, you've heard it said this, but I'm here to tell you this. For instance, he goes from external action to internal behavior and says, hey, this is what's going on. You've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I'm here to tell you, okay, that's the external action. I'm I'm here to tell you if you have anger in your heart towards somebody, you've already committed murder. So it's this heart issue that he's talking about. Or, hey, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I'm here to tell you if you look lustfully at somebody, you've already committed adultery. It's an internal heart issue. And what we're going to look at right now is right kind of in the halfway point of this teaching. And Jesus is going to dig his heels in. It's going to step on some toes. It's going to step on our toes this morning and say, hey, it's even further about your heart. So let's read this, and we'll break this up into two um, different uh, things this morning. He says this in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, but lay up. For yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now here's a a central uh, verse, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's that connection of heart and stuff. There's that connection right there. Then he continues, he takes it a step further, not to just talk about the heart, but the eye. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye's healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, aka, there is no light, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, usually when we hear this passage and we hear it in church, it refers to money. And he is talking about that, but let's be honest a lot of times we hear this and it's like, oh, great. Here comes the money talk, right? I hate the money talk in church. You know, that's the reason I don't go to church because all I want is our money. They talk about this. You got to tithe more, all this other stuff. You know, that's not, to me, while that is important, Jesus is talking about something much more important than just money. He's talking about the heart. Remember, in this time, on the hillside, he's talking to everyday people. He didn't say, hey, if you're rich, you know, if this is your tax bracket, (laughs) come over here. Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. Remember that show? I'm Robin Leach. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. You know what I mean? Date me a little bit. Some of you are like, what in the world are you talking about? You know, that sounds so dumb. All right. Think of like MTV Cribs, but for old people. Okay. So then he like, he's not gathering all these rich people and saying, hey, y'all all all have a lot of money and you're not given to the temple." you know, I'm trying to start this ministry and I need you to give me some cash because I I need to buy some new sandals and a new cloak and some fish to eat. He doesn't say that. He's taking all of these everyday people who are poor. And so he's not talking about money as the main issue, he's talking about the heart. Culture and scholars will say that during this time frame, most people had one outfit in their name. And if you had two, you were considered rich. And these people were one-outfit people. They just showed up. They were curious about what Jesus had to say. They were everyday people making really low wages. And what he's saying is not, hey, the money that you're making, I know, I know you can't even pay your bills right now, whatever the case, you're struggling through that, and now you need to give more. He's saying what's important is in your heart. So if you're taking notes, there's really just two points this morning, the first one being that we need to trust God with our stuff. Trust God with your stuff. Now we look at this and it's very easy to be like, well, is Jesus saying he's against saving or he's against wealth? Now, I don't think that Jesus is against wealth. I don't think he's against you saving. You know, like I remember when I first like got real about money, And I was like, okay, I probably want to provide, I need to have some kind of retirement. I need to provide something for my kids. And I met with a financial advisor. And you know, in the Christian world, it's all about Dave Ramsey. And it's like, you need to save $1,000. I'm like, $1,000? Good Lord, who has $1,000? And after you do that, you need six to eight months um, of your income or your expenses for an emergency account. I'm like, who has that? I'm trying to pay my $60 cell phone bill. Like, who's going to have six to eight months of that? Oh, and by the way, after you do that, you know, you don't want, you don't want to work for your money. You want your money to work for you, so you need to start investing. And I'm like, investing? How, like, what in the world? And it's like all this, like, how, how do I do that? But Jesus wants us to save. We look in Proverbs, and it says that we should be able to provide an inheritance not only for our children, but our children's children. He wants that from us. So there's nothing wrong with saving. There's nothing really wrong with being wealthy. Like, man, if you worked hard, good for you. Enjoy that. But there is this connection where then it can go sour. That what he, what really, what Jesus is saying in this is, you know, like, hey, like, you can own your stuff, but don't let your stuff own you. Like, don't worry about these temporary things. Think about it. The things on, our, on earth, while they're nice, our houses are nice, and our cars are nice, and our clothing's nice, what Jesus is saying is they're temporary. You can't take them to heaven. When you die, it's like, hey, Jesus, hang on one second, okay? BRB, I'll be right back, okay? Let me get my car and my 401K and all these things. Can I bring those into heaven? I want my, I want my mansion in heaven to be really nice. No, he don't care about any of that. What he cares about is your heart. Those things are temporary. And we have seen since Genesis 3, when sin entered into the world, from Genesis 3, all throughout Scripture to Revelation, that this world is temporary. And while God created it and it's beautiful, Unfortunately, it's broken, it's complex, he, but he put us here with this mission to reach people for Jesus, and in that process, these temporary things begin to fill our lives, and we can get sidetracked and miss out on what God is doing and saying, hey, trust me with your stuff. Stop trying to trust yourself and try to keep up with the Joneses and all these other things. Um, you need to trust me with your stuff. I think one of the biggest lies of Satan is this lie: if I have more in my hands, I'll be happier in my heart. If I just have more stuff, I mean, we've all been guilty, man. If I can just get a ten thousand dollar raise at work, I wouldn't have to worry about all these these bills. I'm like behind, or like I've often thought this, man. I wish I didn't have a mortgage. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, oh, I don't have a mortgage. What we start to tend to think these ways, if I just made a little bit more money, if I just had this in my savings, if I just did this, I would be happier. If I just had a nicer car that I had to worry about, like the AC's going to go out and put me under, whatever the case may be. If I, if I just had all these things in line, I would be happier. And I, I, I used to think this, and the very first church I worked at was in Alpharetta, Georgia. It's a suburb of Atlanta. And if you know anything about Alpharetta, it is um, – the, like considered the richest county and city um, in suburb of, of, of Atlanta. And um, there was this guy, I'll never forget this, and really opened my eyes because I'm like 23, 24 at the time. He's like, hey, he's a builder um, in our church. He's like, hey, I want to show you this house that I'm building. Come check it out. I'm like, okay. I go to this house. This house is 28,000 square feet. Think about that. Not 2,800, 28,000 square feet. They end up selling it for 9.2 million dollars. All right, it was like, like it was like, hey, he was showing me. He's like, this is the kitchen, this is the butler's pantry. I'm like, a what? What is that? What's a butler's pantry? You know, like, can I just? I, I just have a hard time with like my little closet pantry. You know, a butler. You like, does he have a butler? Then he's like showing me down in the basement. There was a skate park for their teenager. I'm like, this is crazy, and then there was, like, this brick wall, and he's like, watch this, and he, like, pushed this little stone, stacked stone wall, and, like, it was, like, this hidden door into, like, a, like, temperature, whatever, wine cellar, like, I'm like, okay, (laughs) like, this wine cellar is nicer than my whole house, all right, and, and so he was taking me into this, but here's what's interesting, is that that area, I mean, homes are, like, huge, like, it, it's pretty normal. See Bugattis and Lamborghinis and Porsches and all these, whatever, name them all out, who cares, all right? You see all this, but you know what's also interesting is while it is the richest and there's lots of houses and, uh, that are nice and cars and all those things, in the area of Atlanta, it was the number one area of people, um, like midlife area, uh, stage of life, that were addicted to prescription drugs. So they were addicted to antidepressants and things like that. And so there's this connection. It's like, I don't care how much money you have, you know. You're still dealing with stress, depression, anxiety, hurt, trying to fit in, trying to keep up with the Joneses, how much plastic surgery (laughs) was in that area, all these different things. And I'm like, you have a ton of money, but yet you still have no hope. You have no joy. You don't. You're not happier because you have all this stuff. And Jesus is saying, "Hey, you can have all the stuff in the world. It's all going to go away. What your heart needs to be um, in tune with are things that are significant, and those are eternal things. That your treasure shouldn't be laid up here in earth, but in heaven." That should be the, the priority. So not only does he talk about our heart, but then he begins to talk about, he says, your eye is a lamp of your body. If your, your eye's bad, there's going to be darkness. But if your eye's healthy, think about this. That our eyes, when it comes to materialism and things, our eyes, we see things and we recognize things, and they can manipulate our heart. I'll be, I'm totally guilty of this. I'll see, like, a really nice um, vehicle, and I'm like, man, I wish I had that. You know, like, I really like the new Ford Broncos, all right? And I'm like, those are nice. (laughs) And I really want that. I mean, it's a lot better than my 2004 Dodge Ram, you know? And I see that, and then what ends up happening is looking at those things. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be like, I really want nice things, okay? Don't hear me. This is not like some legalistic forum of you're wrong for thinking that. But when those things happen, too often what ends up happening is it takes control of our heart and begins to decide some of the decisions that we, we make in our life and can lead us down a horrible path. And that's what money does. That's what materialistic things do. We see them and we think, man, I, if I can just do this with this money or this money does this for me, and it'll be good. I, I told the first service this. I'll never forget this. At that same church, we had this gentleman. He made a gazillion dollars living in a really nice house. And he, and he had several kids, but I was a youth pastor at the time. And, and the mom Um, Comes to me and says, "Hey, uh, you know, I want our teenager. I think he was 14 or 15 at the time to meet with you," and so I'm like, "Okay, you know, what's going on?" And so it kind of started where he was sneaking out of the house, and then he started to steal his mom and dad's credit card to order pizza. Okay, not a big deal. But then he s- started subscribing um, to porn websites and went down this dangerous path. So he wanted to, the mom wanted to meet me, so th- they came. Um, I met with her, kind of talked about everything. I'm like, hey, where's dad? Where's dad in all this? Oh, he's so busy with work and all this other stuff. And it was, like, super awkward already because th- she brings her son, and he's like, Hey, tell tell Pastor Dustin what you've been doing. And I'm like, okay, this is awkward, all right? Like, could you kind of set that up for him or whatever? Like, just put him on the spot right then and there. But anyway, I'm like, where's dad? You know, because as a young man, he needs his dad in this moment. And I know not every family has this luxury, but he did. And so so I had a follow-up. A couple weeks later, dad comes, and I kid you not, all right? This is a bad eye perception. So I'm like, hey, dad, You know, man, he really needs you. He needs some guys speaking into his life to say, hey, this is not okay. He's taking advantage of of your wife, his mom. He needs you to put, you need to put your foot down. You need to put some parameters as dad and all this other stuff. So the first thing, you need to get rid of his computer. Well, that's his computer. I'm like, well, who bought it? I did. No, that's your computer. You're letting him use, right? So you need to put some parameters. And is there any way that with your job, I know you travel a lot, but you need to be more home because with you not around, he's just kind of taking advantage of, mom, I need you to be home. And this is what he said. I'm a better dad, traveling and away from home, making the money that I'm making so I can provide for my family's future than I am currently being at home with my kids. And here I was, like 24, I didn't have kids. I'm thinking, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, make all the money you can. And this is what I said. I mean, at 24, you know, I was young and stupid, so who cared, right? So I was like, you know what? While you're planning for the future of your kids, and while that's important for you, and I'm all about that, and God's all about that, you're missing out on the present. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in the future and how much money you're going to give your kids or whatever the case may be. You're missing out on the opportunity to disciple your kids right now. And that's, one, that's just one example of having a bad eye that puts you in perspective of, hey, I'm better over here instead of being present right here. You following me? And so he missed out on that. And that's what money and what our things and this planning, and all that kind of stuff can, can do to our lives. So Jesus talks about this heart and our eyes. But then listen to what he, continue, he continues. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus says talks about money and it talks about anxiety and stress all right because if you know i mean money brings about all kinds of stress we don't have enough of it and it's like the number one thing that tears uh, marriages apart but he says this in verse 25 therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life what will you eat or what you will drink nor about your body or what you will put on is not life more than food some of you be like no it isn't okay but isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan of life? Think about it. He's like, by being anxious, what is it doing? Is it going to add any more years? Is it, is it helping? Is it beneficial? No, it's not beneficial. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory, remember he had so much money, was not arrayed like the one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that. He he knows your needs. And I love this, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I mean, think about this. Jesus is connecting. He says, hey, wealth brings worry. And and there's a lot of stress in our lives, when it comes to money, how are we going to pay the bills? What if this happens to my car? What if I, I, we have a maintenance issue at our house? What if I get laid off tomorrow? All these things. And those are legitimate concerns. Please hear me out that I'm not saying that Jesus and Jesus is saying, don't have a care in the world, you know, just sell everything and, and quit your job and just live. And like, maybe there'll be some heavenly Medicaid that like God just like prospers you. Okay. It says, here's a free check. Okay. I'm not saying that we need to work. We need to take care of things. We, we need to provide for our families. But at the end of the day, we cannot be stressed about those things. We need to set a new perspective on, am I focusing on God to get me through these things? Because God will provide. If he's, and Jesus is saying, if I'm taking care of the birds, if I'm taking care of the lilies, I'm going to take care of you. You're so much more valuable than those things. I'm going to take care of you. But change your perspective. Instead of first seeking How am I going to pay this bill? Seek me first. Seek my kingdom. Not the kingdom of this world, trying to build up our kingdom with stuff. Seek my kingdom, and then I will add these things. Put your heart and your eyes in line with who I am and what I'm about and my passions, and I will do amazing, amazing things. And in closing, I will say this. Our joy is not determined by temporary things, but an eternal Savior. At least that's what it should happen in our lives. That our lives should not be determined by the stuff that we have and the car that we drive and the house that we live in. Who cares? Jesus doesn't care about those things. What's ultimately important and what determines our joy is our eternal source, our savior, Jesus Christ. That brings the ultimate hope. That brings something that goes beyond the world that we live in and the life that we will live um, during this life that he has given us. In James 4.14, we read, Yet do you not know that what tomorrow will bring? What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We spend so much of our time worried about the things. Let us worry about our relationship with God. Are you seeking the kingdom of God first and foremost? Are you looking for people in your life and sphere of influence that you can say, they need Jesus That's so much more important than than buying the newest this or having this or that. And yet, Jesus is saying all this. and He's saying, hey, don't be anxious about those things. Let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. It has anxiety by itself, but trust in me. And I hope that as a congregation, that each and every day as we're living our lives, that we can, it's hard. It's hard to say, okay, I got to pay those bills. I can focus on Jesus. The bills are still coming, Right? let us take our anxiety and our stress and trust him with our stuff. And that last point, because I totally forgot, trust him with ourself. Give him everything. Like, I'm going to trust you. And all this stuff, this worry, the stress, trying to keep up with the Joneses, the bills i got to pay, whatever the case may be, this day-to-day life, I'm going to trust you with my myself. Hey, let's pray and then let's worship in closing together. Father, man, this is a sobering thought. I know I'm guilty of wanting a nice house and a nice car. I want to to be able to provide a future for my kids. I want to be able to pay bills and not be stressed. God, it's just natural. It's just everyday life. For, For many of us in this room, we do live paycheck to paycheck just because we make more money, we actually spend more money too. And Father, let us be good stewards of our lives that you've given us that are temporary and don't need to be fulfilled because of things in this earth, just these temporary things that we purchase and we enjoy. Not that there's anything wrong with enjoying those things, but God, let us focus our hearts and our minds and our eyes on you to seek first the kingdom of of you and your righteousness—not our own self-righteousness—but on you, Father, you're going to add those things. Those things are going to come. They might not come the way that we want or what we think at times, but ultimately, the things that we have aren't important. What's important is our walk and our relationship with you. That's what gets us into heaven. That's what brings ultimate joy. And so, as we sing this this next song, let it be a declaration of our hearts. What a blessing it is that you have poured into us. And let us be a blessing to others, starting in our home and then going out to our jobs, to our community. As we seek you, let that be contagious to point others to you as well. In your son's name, amen. Hey, let's stand and let's close and worship just praising this incredible God that blesses us tremendously.